0: All right, here with Frank Karras, lead snow ranger at the Mount Washington Avalanche, um, Mount Washington Avalanche Center. Good afternoon, Frank. It's Thursday. How are you doing? Hey, Andrew, good. Yeah, we had, um, we're just chatting about this kind of madness of a week we've had, both in our own respects and regards. I was out Monday in some all-time conditions, and then it just seems to have shifted radically back into spring-summer mode.
1: Long sliding fall conditions up high, and perfect rock climbing weather down low. I might add as a sidebar.
0: Yeah, Frank's been out getting his uh, summer muscles in shape. Um, yeah, I've been doing some trail running too, so I feel it. But we, I, you know, skiing on Monday was so good, and I, I'm sure Tuesday was okay. It was still soft, but then it just locked up. We got some precip. Conditions have definitely changed dramatically
1: yeah they deteriorated quite a bit it's <clears throat> you know there's softish snow here and there but it's really a mosaic that's mostly refrozen snow at this point and rough and people are still having a good time on the Sherburn and gulf slides trail it's all very edgeable and you know freeze line is something you want to pay attention to as you're going out you could look at the Auto Road Vertical pro- Profile for for real time, or look at some of the other online tools like you know windy.com or whatever kind of forecast tool you want to look at to see where the where the freeze line might be. And then the main thing is be flexible. And I think you found out um, on Monday that there's some tools that are better than other, some footwear particularly that are that's better than other footwear for going into conditions where it may or may not soften enough.
0: I, I always harp on crampons and just, I guess, you know, I learn a lot too. I, I have all these experiences where, you know, I haven't, I, I rarely use an ice axe when I travel and mainly because I'm pretty comfortable, but also I'm, tr- I'm in conditions where I don't feel like that third point of contact, I always need it. But as soon as you see the value in it, then you realize, okay, this makes sense to, it's a, I guess as I get older more experienced and hopefully wiser in my decision-making that you realize the value of these unexpected moments when you, it can change everything. You think of someone that's, so I just want to back up and talk about, you know, I was in central gully and it was really windy and I, you know, I just decided, I had an ax out with me just because the conditions were really firm and i didn't feel that confident mm-hmm. and i was doing the side hilling on my crampons walking diagonal back and forth and a gust of wind caught my skis and that's one thing that happens mm-hmm. a lot yeah some of these windy conditions it kept get you off balance and my foot slipped mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm three quarters of the way up almost and, and like, pretty yeah. steep and it's a my serious My hand just fall? instantly goes in with the ax yeah. and, like, to the yeah. p- so hard to the point it strained my shoulder. My shoulder's yeah. still sore today because yeah. I was – I mean, that's it. Like, yeah. if you t- take one of those long sliding falls from top of central – Oh, you're not going to stop, yeah.
1: And a whip not. it's not going to do you much good in that situation you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes a –
0: No substitute for an ice axe. Um, Yeah, it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, a lot of our teachable moments happen at someone else's expense.
1: Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. We all have, you know, we can't have these close calls that we learn from too, but the best thing we can do is learn from others. And the one thing I I shared this Monday was there was a long sliding fall in fortunately soft conditions in shoot where a guy who was climbing up in hiking boots with micro spikes skis on his back boots in the skis he had just gotten it was really soft a nice bootable snow as it can be in shoot where the snow builds up but as soon as you get into the wind affected stuff that very firm at the very top pencil wind slab that can be very difficult to penetrate in ski boots this you know try hiking boots with micro spikes and yeah uh, who knows
1: i don't might as well be wearing bowling shoes at that point, right like soft hiking shoes you know, or snowboard boots for that matter once you get into that
0: pencil hard wind slab you just can't kick into it very yeah very unnerving um, to be on the, the this like that crux for most people that have been up shoot there's that crux part where there sometimes there's vegetation poking out where mm-hmm. that's the steepest point of that whole run. Mm-hmm. And, he was at a site and all of a sudden there's some snowfall snow movement and he came ragdolling skis on his backpack just picking up speed going by us and there was nothing we could do except get out of the way and there's a time lapse of it that jamie walter was shooting because we were filming that day and happened to catch it all and we just watched him go by and then moved off to the side and i yelled heads up like boots boots like his ski boots were coming his ski boots were coming down after he had passed us and they were just picking up speed too, bouncing off yeah. some of the the rock in there and fortunately you know i watched him slide all over the base he was lifeless laying down on his back um i don't know if he was just shooken up or knocked out or anything i didn't get the the debrief on it but he eventually sat up some people from the, the floor came up to him and then some people were walking by him so we sort of let that go and he yeah. got assisted you know he ended up getting up and walking out
1: yeah when, the snow one of the snow rangers and the caretaker went up for him and just as a another related situation someone fell down the chute um, a couple of years ago three years ago maybe uh, in a similar situation um ragdolled and then rolled sideways you know like a kid would roll down a hillside like a log but he was moving really fast and he basically was lifeless face down at the bottom showing signs of seizure so basically you know when you're rolling that fast you can be completely unharmed apparently on the outside right no cuts or scrapes or bruises or big lacerations or anything but your brain's just rattling around inside your skull and um so that's the kind of neurological impairment that can lead to you know or uh, damage that can lead to something significant like a brain bleed or a serious serious uh, concussion um we actually flew that guy out um he, he re- made a full recovery but um yeah scary stuff any of those uh kind of falls like that are the real deal
0: and yeah the takeaway from all this is like us in the boot pack having the proper gear and everyone else too i mean it's that guy should have clearly been you know had the right safety tools yeah you know, would be okay but the consequences are there and it's not it's more of just a wake-up call for all of us that we are in this dangerous terrain when you talk about avalanches that's one thing long sliding falls that's pretty frequent that's all the time like that stuff is stuff we have to be heads up with every time we go out there yeah so when there's no avalanche danger everything's locked up we still have this to worry about and having that extra point of contact can make a huge difference make all the difference yeah
1: yeah, I've gotten to think, um, or I've come to think that, uh, just putting the crampons on early and, you know, I usually travel with a whippet and an ice ax on those kind of things. And, um, you know, that Monday wasn't a particularly busy day. And I know a lot of backcountry skiers that are experienced around here will avoid Tuckerman Ravine on a, on a busy day, certainly just cause of the, the extra hazard of all the people, um you guys were up there on a not that busy a day it looked like six or eight people in the boot pack
0: maybe and shoot if that people were pretty spread out it was busy in the parking lot
1: yeah not roadside
0: busy but people were in the gulf of slides people were in huntington people are in tuckerman and they're just the general hiking public but
1: just shows you my point was it just shows you only a few people you know you got one guy above a boot pack it only takes one person with the wrong equipment or taking just having the misfortune of a fall to become yeah. the hazard that you have to look out for so
0: uh, absolutely and i and again we can all take one wrong step and slip Yeah, two. totally so yeah. i don't want like again not shame this guy's decision making but reflect on your own decision making too what we're doing out there and slow it down a little bit put on the crampons don't rush things it's all these are there's pretty big consequences out there and we tend to just get on people for not Making the obvious choices, but again, I think that we're coming into we're coming to spring booting, prime booting season out there where, where things are going to get really busy, and and so crampons, of course, like yeah, ice tools are are great as long as you know how to use them, and then backpacks to put your skis on. That was yeah. one other thing that last year you see a lot of people shouldering their skis, and then they. What happens if you do slip? Like, where is your extra? You don't have the free hands to yeah self arrest. So
1: yeah, yeah. A lot of people will do that. I think the shouldering the skis. I'm I have mixed feelings about um, in the lower angle terrain. You know, I can more easily justify it if it's soft. But you know, if you don't know the terrain's going to stay soft, certainly would prefer it's on your back. And the other thing to remember, and this is. Um, this is a obscure but very real hazard you know people get cut badly by those ski edges and shouldering your skis is kind of like shouldering like a chainsaw without a scabbard on it if you fall and you fall forward and the skis are on your neck and your skis scissor apart um, that can be really bad Um, you know you got a jugular artery right there Um, people have gotten badly cut in the legs. I know, uh, you know, I know somebody who's an ex-snow ranger actually fell fell forward um, onto his snowboard. Um, you know, the snowboard just hit the ground first and he slid down the snowboard and, and lacerated his thigh pretty much to the bone. This guy plays hockey, you know, it was a full thickness, big cut, um, so, you know, these are sharp tools we're playing with. Um, For you know helpful uh for good reason they're sharp but
0: they can work against you at times too so yeah like getting that crampon in the back of the leg learning how to walk with them like ice climbing crampons yeah
1: i have personal experience with my a mono point deeply embedded in my own
0: calf (laughs) on the top of the grand teton that's a great feeling Uh uh-huh uh well i guess i want to follow that up with the response plan because that's you said. Call like someone called nine one one. What do? What is like? If you see something from afar that you're not sure of, and you're up there, and you maybe you don't have cell service, you could text someone. You have an in-reach This is a tough. You know, every yeah. situation is different, but yeah. Well, like, let's go through like a whole scenario, a couple okay. different scenarios of how you would respond to that, just to activate. Um, a, a rescue plan.
1: So, you know, if you witness an avalanche or, um, you know, where you think people are involved or you witness some sort of fall where it seems likely that someone's injured, absolutely send someone or call 911 yourself. Um, calling 911 gets um, a location basically is the, the big reason we want to do that um the person the dispatcher will hold you on the line and ask you a lot of questions so you want to be prepared for that um and you know you want to take care of that person who's fallen as well like immediate first aid so check for major arterial bleeds then airway make sure they clear their airway breathing and um, make sure they got a pulse and Basically, do your basic first aid stuff. Um, once you determine that, you know you need to just work within the level of your training to to handle the patient. And one of the first things you want to do is carefully insulate the patient and get them off the ground. Um, you know, we talk a lot about protecting C-spines. Um, that is important but if you know you can protect their spine and um, if they slip into hypothermia and die in three hours because you didn't get them off the snow that's bad too right so um, you know it's good to be a responsible citizen I think Um, and um, particularly with avalanches um, it's not really just a snow ranger problem to go deal with you know it's um, if someone's caught in that avalanche, their only chance is really quick response from people nearby, um, ideally their partners, right? Um, so, you know, it's hard to talk really about these um, situations, but, you know, you want to consider hang fire and other, other um hazards on the party, and, um, you know, you you really want to affect that rescue right away because it's a a race against asphyxia in the case of avalanches, and, you know, it's also a race for for traumatic injuries from a long sliding fall. Um, You know, once you get the 911 call um, out, the appropriate measures are taken. Usually that means a call to fish and game or state police dispatch, and then state police call Fish and Game. If they're in the Cutler River Drainage, meaning Tuckerman or Huntington, they'll, um, they'll call us Fish and Game. And, and even if you're nearby, they would probably call us as well. Um, and outside the Cutler River Drainage, Gulf of Slides, and we would try to, we would respond as well. Um, you know, it's just important to realize, like, if it's a serious incident and we're even sitting by in the ideal location in the cabin at Hermit Lake, It'll take us twenty to thirty minutes to get somebody at the base of the chute. Um, that's a long time. If somebody's buried in an avalanche, that's potentially enough time for someone to asphyxiate. Likely enough time for someone to asphyxiate. So, you know, traveling with with a partner is, is really key. I can't ever really, um, you know, express that enough. It's we've all done it. Probably anyone listening to this podcast is been out solo skiing and, you know, you just have to know you're, you're taking a chance because no one really expects an accident to happen to them. Right. But, um, it, it, frequently does to, to folks by themselves. So,
0: so say you're up there and you have like the, the situation I'm in, I have an in-reach and I don't have cell service, but I can ping someone like, like other people that are, there's a lot of people now with the in-reach or a spot or some way to communicate via text and not yep. call yeah is there a protocol for that
1: you know 911 is uh, through the country i'm not sure where we are with us but they've been working towards um a text um, option for 911 callers i'll have to check on that for the state of new hampshire how that works and probably the state of maine too um that would be a good option obviously sometimes you know you can get a text message out and you can't get a call out um though the 911 calls tend to have i'm not sure the lower threshold like they can get a location even if you can't really establish a good um clear enough connection to have a good voice conversation so you always want to try that. Regarding the in reaches, you know, you would just tell that person to call for a rescue and that person can either call 911 is really their best bet yeah. and just explain the situation. That protocol is, you know, in place because if you try to call, you know, skip things and call snow rangers directly, you know, there's just no easy easy way to share that information to where like people would understand like this call tree of who of us are on duty and who are close. So you really just have to kind of suffer through that initial few minutes um, of trying to describe where you are and what's going on with a, a person, a dispatcher is probably totally unfamiliar with Mount Washington, but they always get it and they're helpful and. Um, most importantly, they can give really good their um, first aid instructions right there on the scene. Um, most, I think, all dispatchers have to be EMTs, and they have a protocol book right in front of them, and they can walk you through emergency procedures.
0: That's that's great to know. I think we all get we all think we know, and like with the inreach, that's one. My biggest concern is who's on the other line. Are they? answering are they going to see this text are they going to pick up you know are they going yeah to, what chain of uh, are they going to call nine one one? you know you got to tell them like hey call 9 like how much de- yeah. info can you get out on that you know you get your 140 characters or whatever your sms text yeah. is per line and you can get that stuff out and what information you get yeah if, it, and,
1: if it's a real medical emergency or trauma i think with an nreach or a spot device um the best thing is just Push that push emergency, emergency response, button. and that goes to I, I believe it's the Air Force um, emergency emergency dispatch center in Florida, and they have all their protocols. Yeah, um, that's
0: a hard thing to so do. Is like to know some like not everything's black or white. No, you know
1: you got to know your tools and and practice them. And well, you don't want to practice pushing the nine one one button, but you do want to know how they work and. You know the difference between those spot devices and the the ePerbs, the the one-time use um, things like um, you know Kate Matrasova had. Those are very different tools um, with with different. You know they work differently. So, um, you know if you have an emergency, it's we just recommend that you you know scale up. You know do just. Uh, Think about deploying more resources than you need, and then you pull back. So, like, if we have a big incident with multiple people, um, you know, caught and carried in an avalanche or a big icefall event, um, our general thinking is just get a helicopter in the air, get resources coming, and then you get them to stand down if uh, things turn out to be less serious than you think.
0: Good stuff. Well let's let's uh, wrap it up with just the what's the hot topic today going into the weekend is uh the coronavirus. Oh yes. That, that was yes like indeed. A, today being Thursday on my radar everything seemed to escalate. People are asking I, mean, I was told that REI wasn't running out gear today and you know that was like the first thing and then yeah. Backcountry Festival canceled their evening events and then I'm hearing that the Boston Marathon is Getting pushed back to the fall reset, and uh. the colleges are ending classes they, after you know going into spring break. They're gonna go to spring break, then everything's gonna be online.
1: Yep. So, yeah. what,
0: does that, what does that mean for us, Frank? Are people all gonna be like coming up here to come skiing and just be on this sabbatical? What, what's happening? Yeah. Well, that's an excellent question. You know, I was
1: just um, working through my own plan for us um, as Snow Rangers and Ski patrollers knowing that all our ski patrol work in different, um, you know, epidemiological regions, and many of them are healthcare workers. And, um, you know, we all need to stay healthy to keep producing a forecast and take care of our families. And we want ski patrollers to <clears throat> do what they need to do, but also consider their role in their community. And so um, we haven't formalized a plan yet. We're waiting for some well, not waiting, but I'm making a plan, and we've, we're just going to formalize it tonight um, with Ski Patrol. Um, the The main point is, you know, social isolation is this concept where you you know you stay six, six or more feet away from people, and you avoid crowds, and you avoid closed spaces without you know plenty of air changes and You know, as we move into spring in the courtyard with 150 people at Hermit Lake, you know that is probably violating some of those tenets of, you know, keeping keeping your distance. Um, So it seems to me like people spreading out through the terrain seems like a fine thing to do. Um, You know, fine activity and a good way to, you know, you want to stay healthy as well. Um, You know, keep your fitness. That will also help, but. <clears throat> Certainly, going forward, you know, thinking about avoiding those crowded spaces um, seems like a good idea, and the hand washing and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the backcountry ski fest is is on for the daily guided events, but the you know theater in the woods programs, those are all canceled as well, and um, yeah, for good reason
0: seems like it i i didn't think I didn't think this thing was I thought it was being blown out of proportion a little bit but then you start seeing the, s- the statistics and the numbers and realizing that any any means of slowing it down is going to help everyone in the long run so I get it it's like a you know you got to look you got to be long sighted about this stuff
1: yeah yeah I think the I was initially uh put off by you know the the media um mainstream media typically blowing it out of proportion with all these stories of panic where it's easy to just sit there and and roll your eyes, but then also, you know, some official responses that seem to be underplaying the whole um, thing as well. And so I dug into it and listened to some podcasts with some professionals in the field of pandemics and epidemiological stuff and, um, you know it sounds as if it's pretty good protocol to try and flatten out the spread of this illness. It's, you know, it's moderately contagious and moderately transmissible. Um, that's sort of a sweet spot for getting something really moving. And um, a, a virus like this spreading um, quickly is uh, can easily overwhelm healthcare, um, you know, hospitals and whatnot and, and all the all the resources that are needed to take care of folks so we're just looking at ways to help mitigate that and be good citizens at the same time we're looking out for ourselves and our and our families and slowing that potential spread so yeah um dress rehearsal for a really bad one you know if uh 0.6 percent of the public and America dies. That's still a pretty bad scenario. Um, There's certainly worse viruses out there, but 0.6% of, of of the population. Even if only 20% of the people gets it, 400,000 fatalities. So that's um that's pretty big. It's the top three um, killers of anyone in the U.S. per year. I think like what cancer and heart disease are probably bigger than that. So. I'm stepping outside of my no, area of expertise for no. sure but just well, going off of what
0: I've heard from the experts it's all stuff that affects us <clears throat> so it's important to talk about it and I guess we should also just quickly talk about the weekend's weather, super windy yep. up high 100 mile an hour plus gusts looking into um, Friday night when you're probably you know Friday you're probably listening to this Saturday is also gusts up to looking at saturday gusts up to 115 miles an hour and then saturday night still windy and cold so nothing yeah. everything's gonna be locked up
1: Sat- saturdays yeah high of 22 on the summit and quite windy so it does not look like a good time to really get into avalanche terrain i think um staying keeping it pretty low is, is gonna be a good idea um floor of the ravine could be even pretty rowdy i haven't looked at the hourly forecast for um that for saturday but um yeah seems like it's going to be quite windy by afternoon so um yeah actually all day saturday is going to be quite windy tomorrow is going to be getting up into the 70 mile per, per hour range Hopefully, we'll get some snow out of this. It sounds like there's quite a bit of SWE um, snow water equivalent coming tomorrow. Unfortunately, we're going to get a dose of mixed precipitation, possibly up into avalanche terrain. Hopefully, three to four inches will materialize out of that. Um, With that changeover with mixed um, precipitation, we can just cross our fingers, really, and hope for sleet instead of freezing rain. You know, that does make a nice um, nice base. I, I consider that sort of nature zamboni, sort of level stuff out, but uh, without making it super icy. If we get the freezing rain, that's that's not going to be super helpful in the short term, but you know, at this point going into spring, it's nice to get any sort of frozen base that we can that, that's going to stick. And sleet, good to note, sleet and snow capped by ice are going to hold up to that wind um, that's coming. So that's actually. In the long term good news um so yeah look for uh, saturday with 22 on the summit you know there's a great chance there'll be reasonable skiing lower, lower at lower yeah. elevations so things will be softening up at the various ski trails and glades
0: there's still so much snow up there
1: oh uh, yeah there's a ton of snow we've got i was just looking around again today up in. Uh, i was up in hermit lake and um you Know, looking at the level of the snow around the cabins and halfway up the door, and you know, our stairs are buried. Um, we just have not had a lot of wind scouring events like we had last year, so our snowpack looks much the same as it did last year with that legendary, you know, a yeah, very legendary snow year. I went up good amount of snow
0: that year, up little headwall, and yeah, it's it's filled, pretty filled in. There's yeah. some open sections, but yeah, not like. Nothing anything to really worry about
1: no you can get get through there and you know it's just been it's been um we've not had bitter cold so stream beds unfortunately are kind of and drainages are a little bit open but by and large the snow survived quite well through the whole year despite some brushes with you know 40 degree temps and a little higher maybe in the higher terrain but you know generally we've not had um like we've had 70 degrees in january like years ago i don't know if you remember that in town i mean north conway was that january
0: we had a february one that was really warm
1: yeah so we've sort of avoided that high extreme but it's just been consistently a little bit warmer than average two and a half degrees per per month in january and february i think so yep
0: keep it low no, no need to go up high this weekend. I think people have been pretty spoiled on these last weekends. The string of weekends we've put together have been really nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at a little windy last weekend. Still great snow conditions, and there'll be plenty more mm-hmm. in the future. So if you're trying to get out, just realize that we have a long spring ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Probably more snow. Yeah, lots of uh, variability in the in the conditions. So just be heads up, and like Frank said, be flexible. Uh, whatever you get out doing this weekend have a good time and be safe
1: good good message Andrew I agree have fun this weekend and talk to you next week
0: next week all right thanks Frank